Church, today we're going to be talking uh, about worship, and, and I hear a lot of people throw that word worship out in the church setting. It's a very churchy thing to say, isn't it? But you, you hear people talk about, I'm going to my house of worship. I've heard people in church settings saying it's a call to worship. And I hear so many people refer to worship, but what exactly does that mean? What exactly does worship mean? Here's what it is, church. It boils down to this. We worship what we value. It means to pay attention to. It means to focus on. It means to give your all to. And so we worship what we value. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1, it says this. Oh, Lord, I will honor you and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. You planned them long ago, and now you have accomplished them. See, Isaiah right here, church, when he wrote this, he was praising God because he realized that God completes his plans as promised. You better believe, church, if God tells you he's going to do something, that, that it's going to happen. And so what we do is we praise him for his goodness. We praise him for his faithfulness. And I more than anything believe, church, that this is one of the areas that we as individuals, that, that we as a church body can improve upon. I'm talking about how we express our worship, how we express our devotion and our love for God. You know, worship doesn't just happen inside this building. It isn't something that you just do at church. Worship is something that we're called to do in every aspect of our lives. You will be amazed at all the ways that you can actually worship God in your life. But I want you to think about something this morning. How do you show your love? How do you show your love to your husband or, or your wife? How do you show your, 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 your love for your kids? How do you show your love for your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right? You, you treat them special. You, you praise them when they need to be praised. You, you love on them. You honor them. And so we, we focus this way on the people that we love. But now I ask you this. How do you express your love and devotion for God? How is it that you express that? When John chapter four, verse 23, if you'll look at this with me, it says this. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. I love how he says right there that the Father is looking for. He's seeking out true worshipers. So church, if there's such a thing as a true worshiper, then that means, I believe we all could agree, that there probably is also false worshipers. Those who say they worship God, but they're not. So God is actually seeking out true worshipers. He's looking for those. And the Bible doesn't say that, that he's, he, he's seeking the best communicators. The Bible doesn't say that he's seeking, you know, charismatic leaders. The Bible doesn't say he's seeking the richest people. The, the Bible doesn't say that he's seeking people with the most Instagram followers. No, it says the Father is seeking for true worshipers. And do you realize, church, we are all worshipers. We all worship someone or something. See, worshiping is showing what you value Worshiping is showing that, that something is worth something to you. 
It's demonstrating passion. It's demonstrating enthusiasm. It's demonstrating love. It's demonstrating admiration. That, that's what worship is. And, and so church, I believe that, that we, all of us, we, we worship something. We do. And remember, you can, it doesn't have to be God that you are worshiping. It can be a thing. It can be a material possession. It can be different people. We all do some worshiping. And you see people at a job. You see people at a sporting event. You even see people at a concert and they're worshiping. What they're doing is they're showing their love and admiration for what they are seeing. And it's really, it's really good worship. But the problem is this. It's good worship to a bad God. It's good worship to a bad God. And the challenge is sometimes in the church we have the exact opposite of that. We have bad worship to a good God. I believe the church can be very guilty of not worshiping our heavenly father in a proper way. And the definition of worship is to this church to regard with great extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. That's the definition of worship. The great extravagant, I'm talking extravagant, I'm talking big deal. Respect, honor, and devotion. And so I ask you this morning, churches, as you sat here this morning and, and, and our praise team was leading worship, did you experience the presence of God today during worship? Did you actually experience the presence of God during worship? And it doesn't mean that you have to act a certain way. I'm just asking you inside your heart, inside your mind, did you experience the presence of God today? Did you worship him for who he is? Did you thank him for what he's done? Do you thank him for what he's doing in advance, church? I'm talking to express the deepest part of your heart. I'm talking about expressing the deepest part of your heart for a love for God. Or did you just kind of stand there and watch the band sing some songs this morning? See, Jesus actually talked about this problem in Matthew chapter 15. And in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, and what he's doing right here, he's quoting the Old Testament of Isaiah. Jesus is quoting the Bible. He's pretty cool like that. And it says this in verse 8. It says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Man, when Jesus, Jesus is saying their worship is a farce, that's a pretty big deal. Jesus looks at you and says, your worship is a farce. That's a big deal, church. And what he's doing is he's talking about how, how they're honoring him with their lips, but their hearts are nowhere in it. And sometimes we can do that. What he's doing here is he's talking to the hypocrites. Jesus was applying Isaiah's words to the religious leaders. And he said that their worship was a farce. And, and what happens, church, when we claim, when we claim to honor God while our hearts are far from him, our worship means nothing. When you're claiming that you're honoring God with your worship, but your heart is nowhere near where your heavenly father has called you to be, then it means nothing. See, it's not good enough to act religious, church, I've heard people say so many times, oh, see that lady over there? She's real religious. All right, religious at what? Like brushing her teeth? I hope she brushes them every day. That, that's the definition of religion is doing over and over and over again. And so 
She's religious, but what exactly does that mean? It's not good enough just to act religious. Our attitudes and our actions must be sincere. Your heart's got to be in the right place. See, because in Psalm 100, it says this, verses 1 through 5. And and I love, you know, Jed already said this to you, so you're getting a recap, all right? God works pretty wild. We didn't know we were doing that today. It says, shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. So this morning I ask you this church, do you willingly and joyfully come into God's presence. You willingly and joyfully come into God's presence because this verse tells us that we need to remember God's goodness. We need to remember how he is dependable. Do you know your God is dependable? You can depend on him. You know, we try to be dependable, don't we? We make statements like, hey, I'll take care of that or I'll do that, and you, you fall short. We all do it, right? But God is dependable, and God is faithful. Man, God is faithful to you even when you are not faithful to him. He is so faithful. And then we worship with thanksgiving and praise. So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you three things that are evident in our hearts, that are evident in our lives when we worship, when we truly worship him. The very first thing is this, true worshipers worship with awe. True worshipers worship with awe. Hebrews chapter 12, if you'll look at this with me, it says this. It says this in verse 28 and 29. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And it goes on to say, for our God is a consuming fire. I like what it says there at the beginning of Hebrews. It says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you realize what that promise is to me and you? You are going to receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It means nothing's going to stop it. It will not be torn down. The whole world's gonna crumble, church. The whole thing is gonna pass away. It's gonna crumble. Only God's kingdom will last. You know how many times I've heard people come to my office and just say, preacher, you know what? I feel like my whole world is crumbling around me. Or, or you know what, I, I feel like my, my world is falling apart. Nothing is going well. Church, we've got no idea what that means. You really and truly, you don't have any idea what it means for your entire world to crumble, for your entire world to fall apart. Because one day, all this is gonna be gone. All of it, all of it's gonna be gone. One day that will happen. When I was a young man in my 20s, man, I used to chase after a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was driven. I'm like, here's my plan, and I'm going to work this plan, and this is going to happen like this. Five years from now, here's where I'll be. I was one of those kind of guys. I had that five-year plan. It was always evolving and rotating and moving, and I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was going to do, and I'd make big statements. I was that guy. I'm like, I'm going to move to Florida. My brother told me one time, he said, you've moved to Florida 10 times in your life. I've never been there once, by the way. But it's because I would make plans. I would make these statements. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what's going to happen. And you know what, church? We were driven against all the things 
to happen. We want all these things to happen in our lives, but it goes against what usually God has for us. Because everything you have will one day vanish. If Jesus doesn't come back first, you know what? Someday you're gonna pass away. All these things you worked so hard for, you invested your life in, your kids are gonna throw in the garbage, give it the goodwill, or you know what? They're gonna fight over it. Don't do that. Or you're gonna be here the day that Jesus comes back and everything will be laid open. All will be seen. And so church, what is it that you're chasing after? We work hard on things that's gonna fall apart quick. We do, we work hard on these things. And for what? My son, I'm a big fan of, you, you gotta make the bed before you leave the house. I can't, I can't function throughout the day if my bed's not made before I leave. I got issues, I promise. The, the bed has to be made and so it's got to be looking good, right? And my one son used to tell me, he said, like, make your bed before you go to school. He'd be like, for what? 14 hours from now, I'm going to just mess it up again. Why am I going to waste my time? I thought, he's kind of right, isn't he? But make your bed. I said so, right? And he had to stop for us. Says, why am I going to do something if it's not going to do anything at all? It's just going to be messed up again. You think about this church. When it comes to our futures, our futures in Christ, the Bible says we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And then he goes on to say this, let us be thankful and we worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. We look at him like that's amazing. You know, when it comes to our futures, we should worship God Church, we should praise him. We, 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 we should thank him for the fact that we don't have to worry when things are gonna fall apart because they are gonna fall apart. The Bible tells us that. But you as a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about that. He got you taken care of. But what we do is we focus on the small picture, don't we? We worry about the things that are gonna burn up, that are gonna wither away, that are gonna die, and we focus and we push and we, we, we scrape and we fight to make these things happen when it's all gonna go away anyways. And we need to start being the big picture people, church. We're gonna start being the big picture people. See, we are called to worship him with awe. I'm talking about that, that standing in amazement that you can't believe it for all he has done. Thankful that you are not who you once were, church. That you are now different. You've gotta be thankful for that. The things that he's done, the things that he's gonna do in your life, you, you need to be thankful for those things. See, we've diluted that word awe. I believe there's a lot of words that we have in our lives that we've diluted them, like the word love, right? I love Pop-Tarts, I love my Jeep. You know what, yeah, go marry them then if you love them that much. We, we, we've ruined that word love, but also that word awe. And I, I'm, a, I'm a chronic offender of this. Everything's awesome, right? Oh, that's awesome. You know, how was your taco? It was awesome. How was the football game? It, it, it was awesome. See, the definition of awesome is this, extremely impressive, inspiring, great admiration or fear. That's what the word awesome means. So when we talk about worshiping God with awe, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to worship God with awe? It's a reverential fear of the power and the holiness of our heavenly Father. 
Church, God is the only one who is awesome. That you stand in awe of it. There's nothing else on earth worthy of our awe but God. See, we get glimpses of awe, don't we? Just a, a tiny glimpse. You ever seen the Grand Canyon? You ever stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon? It is incredible. It's amazing. Your first sunset that you ever see on the beach, wow. It's great to see. Seeing your child being born, make you, get a, you get a small glimpse of awe, don't you? But if we have a sense of awe for the things that we have been, been created, the things that God has created for us, or, or the things that we live in that's been created, so how much more awe should we have for the one who has breathed life or spoke it all into creation? How much more awe should we have of that so we are to worship God with awe? And so how do we do it? Psalm 95. If you look with me at Psalm 95, it says this in verses 6 and 7. It says, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Church, there's nothing wrong with bowing down in his presence. There's nothing at all wrong with that. I'm talking about kneeling when you are praying. I'm talking about just kneeling when you are worshiping. When you kneel when you are praying, do you realize that's an act of worship? When you are so overwhelmed with this presence, I'm talking about bowing down. And looking at it, see it's symbolic. What it is, it's you're lowering yourself to elevate him in you. God does not need to be elevated by us. He doesn't. He's already up there. You're, you're not the one that has to elevate him. <clears throat> but are you elevating him in your life? Are you putting him at the top? See, when we're kneeling or we're bowing, that's an act. That's an act of me doing this, that, that I'm elevating him in my own life. So at times, church, at times, it's like this. There are times that there's no other reasonable response for us than to kneel or to bow before God. I'm talking maybe a place in your house when you're praying. You know, you see the movies, right? The little kids, they say their prayers before they go to bed. They kneel at the side of their bed. They rest their hands on the side of the bed, and they go like this. And the parents stand there and watch them and, and watch them pray. They are kneeling before God. They are kneeling before him and praying to him. <clears throat> I'm talking about you doing it in your home. Maybe you got a spot in your office in the morning. You, you, you kneel down and you pray to God there. I'm talking about you get down on your knees. You are grateful, church. You are grateful for who God is and what he's done in your life. Do you realize that what he's brought some of you through? Think about what he's brought you through. Maybe he's brought you through sickness or disease. Maybe he's brought you through a rough spot in, in your marriage. Maybe he has saved your children from situations. Maybe he saved you from your own sin, church. So how, church, and why do we bow down before him? You know, the wise men, when they came to Bethlehem, what did they do? They bowed down before him. Peter, when he was called out by Jesus, what did he do? He bowed down before the Messiah. In church, the Bible tells us that at one point, you don't bow down now, but there will be a day. The Bible says this, that every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So you can either do it now on your own accord 
or you can do it when you don't have a choice. So you might as well start now. So church, we will worship him and we will worship him with awe. And the second point I want to make to you is this. We will worship him with abandon. We will worship him with abandon. It means that you get excited. That you're excited about what God is doing. It can go as far that, that people don't understand. They're maybe going to think you're weird. I'm talking about getting excited. I'm talking about maybe clapping your hands for God. Second Samuel. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, and, and this is King David, <clears throat> verse 14, it says this. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. The Bible says so he was dancing with everything that he's got before God. I mean, with everything he's got. And why was he dancing? It's because of this. David was the king of Israel. God blessed him big time. God blessed him in amazing ways. And, and, and the Bible says he was a man after God's heart. And he was dancing excitedly because the ark was returning to Jerusalem. You know, if you don't know what the ark is, I'm sure some of you guys saw the 1980s movie, Indiana Jones, right? It's the big gold box, right, that they are fighting the Nazis to get. Do you know what? In this box, it contained a jar of manna representing their time in the wilderness. It had the broken pieces of the tablet, the Ten Commandments, was in this box, and it also had Aaron's staff. And so at this point in history, church, this point in history, the ark, the ark of God was the central point of power of God on this earth. It was very powerful. Nowhere else but where the ark was. So if the Israelites would take the ark into battle, let it go in front of them, the Bible says that their enemies were decimated, didn't have a chance. And so here's what's going on. It was the power of the presence of God. And so David, he beat the Philistine army, right? His armies just annihilated the Philistines and they were taking back Jerusalem. Like, hey, this is our town. This is our city. And, and they were bringing the ark back to the temple. And David, you know what he was doing? He was dancing like a crazy man. He was dancing wild and he, he's celebrating and worshiping. I mean, he was getting his groove on in front of God. He's like, this is my thing. And so imagine this. Guys, some of you, you've been to a wedding before. And you start getting into that, man, I'm liking to dance. And you're sitting there, you're dancing, and you're, you're, you're getting better at it, right, as you think. And you're dancing like a wild man, and then all of a sudden, you look over, and your eyes meet your wife's eyes or your girlfriend's eyes, and she goes, uh-uh, no. You ain't doing this here. You're embarrassing me and you're embarrassing yourself. And see, this is exactly what happened. David's wife spotted him doing this. He is dancing and his wife says, you know what, you're embarrassing me. You're humiliating yourself in front of all the kingdom. And David said this, church. He said this, I was dancing before the Lord and I am willing to look even more foolish than this for him. True worshipers will sing out. They let loose a little bit, and they're not ashamed to tell God how grateful they are or how thankful they are for his goodness. Orderly, though, but they're thankful. How many of you have ever been riding down the road in your car, and you got your best 
song on. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you're listening to Caleb. Maybe you're listening to Praise and Worship, your playlist. Maybe it's just whatever radio station you're listening. And I mean, you're loving it. You're having a good day and you're singing with everything you got. Your hands are beating the steering wheel, right? And all of a sudden you stop at a red light. You look to the left or you look to the right and there's somebody standing. You're like, they're looking at you like, what is wrong with you? Some of you, you get embarrassed. And others are like, I don't care what you think about me. This is my jam. This is my song. And you sing it out. And so who cares, church, this morning? I want you to know, who cares when you worship him? In today's church, here's what happens. People walk into the sanctuary, the auditorium, and they walk in, they see a big stage, church. They see all of the lights. They see it's decorated, and they see the people that are up there. They're gonna, they're gonna lead me in worship, right? And they think they're the important ones. They're the ones who are facing us. And we assume, don't we? We assume that those people, they're there for us. They're there for us, and they're gonna sing some songs, Church, I want you to know, this is not all for you. This is not for you. You are not the audience, but there is an audience. You're not the audience. There is an audience. It is you, it is not you, and it never will be. The audience is our God. He is the one that we're worshiping. He is the one that we are praising. And it's not about you. It's about God. It's not about you where you're sitting and going, I don't like this song. I hate it every time they sing this song. Or you know, I wish they would sing my favorite song. It's not about you. It's not for you, church. It's for the king. You are here to worship your God. And it comes out by how thankful you are. It comes out by how excited you are about the things that God has done in your life. And we worship him, church. We worship him with abandon. So if you want to lift up your hands, if you want to clap, if you want to sing because you can't sing, but you want to make a joyful noise to the Lord, you do that. God will honor that. I'm talking about genuinely being excited about what it is that God's done in your life how he supplies for you, how he cares for you, and how he loves you. So we worship with abandon. The third thing that we're gonna look at today is this. We worship with intimacy. We worship with intimacy. I wanna take you back to Psalms again. In, in Psalm 27, verse four, it says this. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Church, you ever been somewhere? Maybe it's at church, maybe it's at camp or something, and you feel the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the song that they're singing, it might be that song that really touches you. You can feel God's presence, and you're like, man, this is amazing. All the times that I felt God's presence in my life, I mean, I'm talking powerful presence. I'm like, I don't want this to end. It's amazing, and, and it, it touches the very being of who you are. You're like, man, I wish I could bottle this up and take it with me. And he says right there, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's saying, I want to be in his presence. I want to experience this all the time. It's talking about worshiping with intimacy. You know, there's, there's things that I love about my wife, Mary. 
So there's a lot of things that I love about her. And I could sit there and tell you so many. You know, we've been married 26 problem-free years. You don't lie in church. Neither should I, right? We've had a hard go at it sometimes. Life is difficult. Life is hard. But you know what? I, I can sit there and tell you all the things that I do love about her. And it's a list. But you know what? I love all these things about my wife. And the reason I know these things is because we have an intimate relationship. We know each other well. I'm talking about I know her heart. I know what makes her angry. I know her pet peeves. I know what makes her tick. I know what she really enjoys. I know what she loves. Because we've spent a lot of time together. We have an intimate relationship. And you realize, church, that is exactly what God wants for you. God knows you. He put you together. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking right this minute. Some of you should be ashamed. He also knows the things that are on your heart. But here's what he wants. God is longing for you to know him the same way. He wants you to come to know him intimately. And it's like this church. It's born out of hours of his presence. To get to know God intimately, it's out of hours of his presence. I'm talking about practicing God's presence. This intimacy comes from time on your knees. This intimacy comes from praising him. This intimacy comes with you learning his word. And you know what? You can do all that anywhere. It doesn't have to happen inside the church. But I know some of you, you struggle some of you are like, yeah, preacher, I would love to worship him in awe. I would love to worship him here at church, and I would love to have intimacy with God, but you know what? I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. And you look around, and you see people doing this at church. You're like, man, I wish I had that. You look around, and you see people doing this, and, and you're like, man, I, I wish I could feel like that. And then you make the thought process in your head like, well, when I feel it, I will. Once I feel it, then I'll do it. Listen to me, church. Obedience never follows feelings. I want to say it one more time because I really want you to get it. Obedience never follows feelings. You know how many times I went and did something even though I didn't feel like it? Even though I didn't feel like it, I'm going to be honest with you, the preacher's going to rat himself out. You know how many Sundays in 11 years that I woke up on Sunday morning about 5 a.m. going like, man, I don't want to go to church and preach. It's happened. But I have to be obedient. If I always went on my feelings, then where in the world would I be? Obedience never follows feelings. Feelings must follow obedience. And so you will never have the feeling you will never have that feeling and be like, okay, I'm going to worship God now. That doesn't happen that way. It comes out of obedience. He is worthy of your worship, church, whether you feel it or not. You don't love someone and then not love them because I, I ain't feeling it today. How many times would you not have loved your kids for a day, right? I ain't feeling it because you're driving me nuts. Obedience never follows feelings. He is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship, whether we feel it or not, because he is the creator. He's the beginning and the end. He is worthy of that worship. And so what do we do, church? We worship him. 
We worship him, but sometimes our worship isn't to the good God. Sometimes we worship things. Sometimes we worship people. Sometimes we worship situations. And we have been giving good worship to other things. We've been giving that good worship to other things. And when you realize this, church, when you come to the place that you know that you are doing this, this that this is what you're doing, you correct it. You make it right. I'm talking about you encounter your God. I'm talking about you humble yourself before him, recognizing the fact that he loves you so much and how much he has done in your life, how he has supported you, how he has taken care of you, how he's given you new opportunities every single day. And do you realize that cool churches, cool churches don't reach the lost when that's all that they got? I believe that a legitimate, authentic, worshiping community of faith is the most powerful tool that any church can have. That is how you're going to reach people. I believe that legitimate, authentic worship is going to change lives, not only yours, but those who come to church. But I think the church is filled with people that lift up God for who he truly is. And when you do that, when you do that, it makes people experience his power and his presence. I got one last verse to read to you, and as I call the praise team up here this morning, it comes from Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2, and it says this. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call you. My prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Churches, we sit here today. I got a very important question I want to ask you, and it's this. Are you seeking his presence today? How many of you are honestly seeking God's presence? I'm talking about you're wanting to experience what it is that he has for you. I'm talking about you're wanting him to reach down and touch you so that you can understand what it is he has for you. Well, I want to tell you, church, that experience of worship, it doesn't come from a feeling. It doesn't come from a, a specific song necessarily. That experience of worship comes from you recognizing who God is in your life, of recognizing what it is that he's done for you. And you want to praise him for that. So this morning, maybe there's someone here who's really struggling hard. You know the greatest, one of the greatest acts of worship you can ever do is for you to humble yourself and give your life to the Lord. Where you just say, you know what? I'm tired of living this. I need something. I need something different in my life. When you understand that you are a sinner, that you struggle every single day, that you know that you can't make it on your own, that you do need a Savior. And church, when you humble yourself before him, admit your sins to him, confess your sins to him, and you ask for forgiveness, you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, and you follow in Christian baptism, do you realize what God is going to do? He's going to transform you. You then will experience and recognize that love, that true love that he has for you, that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross. And that church is something to celebrate. 
So this morning, if that is for you, you feel the Holy Spirit calling you out, maybe you need to come forward. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to be at a certain level. This is no video game. All you have to be is at a place in your life of realizing who you are and what you need, and that is Jesus Christ. That's for you. I want to encourage you to come forward. And the rest of you believers that are sitting here today, I ask you again, are you seeking his presence? Are you worshiping him in your life for what he has done and for what he's going to do? So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.